Morning, everyone. How was your worship experience this morning so far? Appreciated the devotional and also the uh, Sunday school discussion. My title this morning is a Bethel experience, and a worship experience, I guess, has something to do with that. It's not all of it. Um, you turn to Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28 tells us part of the story of Jacob. Remember, Isaac and Rebekah had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. The brothers didn't really get along, at least not that well, and there was division in the family. Each of the parents showed favoritism, and that led to less than ideal situations. Deception and trickery led to Jacob stealing the birthright. And in turn, Esau threatens Jacob's life. So here in Genesis 28 is when Jacob is fleeing from Esau and headed to his uncle Laban's, uh, which is roughly 800 kilometers away. So Genesis chapter 28, I'd like to read verses, tw- uh, sorry, verse 10 through 22. Genesis 28, verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and thee, and in thy seed shall all families, all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee. And will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou, thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. All right, so in, in Jacob dreamed, um, a dream is a succession of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations that um, usually occur involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. This is the Wikipedia definition. Or the uh, Humans spend about two hours dreaming per night, and each dream lasts around five to 20 minutes, although the dreamer may perceive the dream as being much longer than this. So does everybody dream? Researchers say that everyone dreams, but some people just don't recall the dreams that often. If you'd ask me if I dream much, I would say not very often. If you'd ask my wife, she would say the opposite. And it's been proven as well that women tend to dream more than men. And if we go back to the recalling factor, I guess that probably comes as no surprise, but that shows up in other areas of our lives too. Apparently dreaming is a good thing. Dreams can help us consolidate memories and process emotions. It can help process success, learned information. Have you ever awakened in the morning and you have a problem solved? 
your mind was working. Yes, the rest from sleep does wonders, but dreaming is your mind at work solving problems. <clears throat> I suppose it's uh, just one factor and a glimpse into the marvel of what God created when he created sleep. Sometimes we awake and we, we are relieved that it was just a dream. Other times we wish that we could keep dreaming. Dreams are complicated and something we really can't understand fully. So how does God work with our dreams? And then we have some people who delve into the spirit world, the evil spirit world even, with dreams and hallucinations and visions. And I'm not going to go there. I don't um, understand that or even really want to understand all that. But God, God speaks to us through many different ways and how he wishes, however he wishes. And our response to when he speaks to us is what matters. It might be a still small voice, maybe the glory of creation. He speaks to the Holy Spirit. He speaks through our thoughts, and sometimes through others, and yes, even through our dreams, I believe. So what do we make of dreams? Should we be reading into all of our dreams and thinking they have meaning or that God is speaking? I don't think so, but I do think it is very important to keep our hearts open to whenever, wherever, and whatever God speaks. Is it possible that Jacob could have tossed this dream up to being just a dream? Maybe. Um, it does seem that God spoke through dreams more so in the Old Testament than he does now. Is there significance in that? Um, I don't profess to have all the answers for this at all. However, it is very intriguing to me. Uh, for myself, I wouldn't be able to recall a dream when I know I heard the voice of God or saw some heavenly happening. But I do know there were dreams that made a difference in my life. Jacob's dream was very powerful and it made a difference in his life. When I started studying for this message the other evening, um, I felt God leading to this scripture passage, and I had been reading it off and on, and just trying to get a feel of what was all here for us, and, and I started putting things down on paper, and it just really wasn't going that well. So I read the passage again and prayed, went to bed, and I'd get up in the morning and started putting things down on paper. Was that sleep that did it? Was it dreams? Was it just mind doing its thing? Or early morning coffee? Sleep and coffee are important, especially the coffee, we say sometimes. But jokes aside, what really made the difference? We always say sleep makes a difference and, and fresh perspective. But even so, I'm convinced that God works while we sleep. God works, and even sometimes, like Jacob, we hardly think about him being around, and suddenly we have this awakening moment and we see and hear God speaking. One difference from Jacob to us today is we have the work of the Spirit in ways that Old Testament believers did not. Maybe that's one reason we wouldn't necessarily put as much significance in our dreams at times. But then again, with the Spirit in our hearts, He can mold us, shape us, and convict us in every moment of our life. So what is a Bethel experience? Is it a result of a powerful and meaningful dream like Jacob had, or what really is it? Bethel means, in simple terms, house of God, or a holy place. And it says in verse 19 that the name of the place was called Luz at the first, and then after Jacob's experience, he renamed it, renamed the place to Bethel. Surely the Lord is in this place. If you're like me, we tend to be a critic of Jacob um, and wonder how God could have how could, how could he ever be using or working with someone like this who deceived his brother and stole the birthright? 
But really, how different are we? And we all go through that moment of wanting the biggest blessing of God, and, and yet on our own terms. We get impatient, maybe even more times than Jacob himself did. What I find so encouraging, though, is, and we see it here with Jacob, and I say from personal experience, too, that God is faithful. When we really deserve for God to walk away from us, and when we are taking our own way, that's when he shows up. We don't know what state of mind Jacob was in exactly when he lay down to sleep among the rocks. But I imagine he was very tired. Was he hardened and rebellious? I really think that Jacob wasn't hard and rebellious, but he had a lot of learning to do. Just like I have, a lot of learning to do, a lot of listening to the voice of God, a lot of mind shaping and heart surrender. A Bethel experience is an encounter with God. Have you had an encounter with God? How do we have an encounter with God or this Bethel experience? I think many times these Bethel experiences are, like I said earlier, when we are at our lowest. God shows up. Does God show up, though, if we don't really want Him? Um, God is always there, but I do believe that Jacob wanted what was right. He wanted God's blessing, remember, and that is why God showed up. We need to desire what is right. We don't know what is the next step. We know we made huge mistakes. We know that God is real. But we don't know exactly how to face life. Jacob's mind was all over the place, I'm sure. He was tired and lonely and afraid. But he laid his head down to sleep. And uh, maybe he's taking a bit more out of the laying his head down to sleep. But my first thought is resignation to God is the first step. We are so human and imperfect, and we make ridiculous and wrong choices, but we resign it all to God. We first of all need to see our need as well. Second, Jacob's dream showed God's provision to meet the need. God's ladder is the provision to meet our needs. Remember the New Testament verse that speaks of the access to heaven in John 1, verse 51. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We're going to look at um, four great provisions that exist between our needs and, and, and the crises of our lives. The first provision is the stairway to heaven. The stairway pictured the great gulf or the separation between heaven and earth, between God and man. The gulf and separation was so vast that no man could ever reach heaven apart from the supernatural work of God and his angels. And um, Jacob was bound to see how helpless he was in trying to reach God on his own. God had to provide the way if man was ever to reach heaven. Isaiah 59 verse 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Isaiah 64 7, And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. And in Luke 16, 26, and Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. While the stairway shows the great separation or the gulf fixed, it also shows the, um, the access. There is a great step, stairway stretching between <coughs> earth and heaven. A way has been provided for man to reach heaven. A way provided by God himself. Jesus Christ referred to this experience of Jacob in that verse we just read. 
They not only referred to it, he claimed that he himself was the latter, the very way God had provided for man to reach heaven. I'll read that verse again. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So when will, when will we see the angels ascending and descending upon Jesus? I guess we don't know the exact time. Um, I guess in, in certain ways it is happening right now for us. But I think it probably refers to the great day of his return, the day when he returned in glory with all the heavenly hosts. For now, the point is to see that Jesus Christ himself is the stairway, the way that reaches from earth to heaven. Jesus Christ is the way to God in heaven. John 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Jesus Christ is the great mediator between heaven and earth, between God and man. First Timothy 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 9, 24, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus Christ is also our advocate between heaven and earth, between God and man, the propitiation, sacrifice, or covering for our sins. In 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The ladder or the stairway provided access. The next provision is that of the angels, a stream of angels ascending and descending upon the, the stairway or the ladder. What did the angels symbolize for Jacob? The word angel simply means messenger. Jacob saw the angels come to earth to carry out the commands of God and then return to heaven to report on their work. What was the work upon earth that would concern Jacob at this point in his life? Hebrews 1 verse 14 Are they not all ministering spirits Send forth to minister for them Who shall be heirs of salvation Angels protect and deliver Believers to trials Psalm 91 verse 10 For he shall give his angels charge over thee To keep thee in all thy ways Angels guide and lead believers in their walk Matthew 2 verse 13 And when they were departed Behold the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream And saying arise and take the young child and his mother And flee into Egypt And be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Angels encourage believers, young children, old folks. Angels, there, angels are there for all ages. Matthew 18, verse 10, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Also angels escort believers into heaven. Luke 16, verse 22, And it came to pass... That the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Seeing angels ascend and descend from earth to heaven encouraged Jacob's heart. The angels meant that God had a host of messengers and ministering spirits who were actively looking after Jacob personally and also other believers upon earth. A host of angelic beings who were available to protect and deliver, to guide and lead him, to encourage him and to escort him into heaven when that glorious day arrived. Next provision is God's presence. Where was God? He was at the top of the ladder in Jacob's dream. He is still at the top of the ladder. This had to be the most marvelous truth 
for Jacob, the sovereign control of God, a supreme power to control all affairs between heaven and earth. God was in charge of everything, no matter what it was, everything in heaven and in earth. And this meant everything to Jacob, and we can claim that same promise. God was there to protect him and all their believers, whatever the threats may be. For Jacob, it may have been robbers and other lurking dangers. I'm sure he was trying to avoid some of the um, populated places just to protect himself from his brother. God was there to take care of the past with all his failures and, and be there for the future with all its uncertainty. He was there to look after his family and other loved ones while he was away. He was there to fulfill his promises to Abraham, the promised seed, and the promised land. And he was there to control all events upon earth and work them out for good, whether involving one person or a whole community of people. Jacob's mind was probably flooded with all the things he needed God to handle in his life. But the important things to know is that Jacob knew that God would handle this problem for him, would handle his problems, um, no matter what it was, this one in particular at this point. And despite his tragic and miserable failure, God was still in sovereign control, and he had the sovereign power to work all things out for good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In Philippians 2, verse 13, it is for his God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The fourth provision that we see is God's word, and include with that is his promises. Who was it that spoke to Jacob? It was the Lord God of Abraham and Isaac. The Lord... Um, Yahweh is the redemptive name for God. It's the name God uses to stress that he saves and redeems man from his fall into sin and death. God was assuring Jacob that the same God who redeemed his grandfather and father would redeem him. The greatest of hopes obviously were there for Jacob's mind when the Lord himself, the God of the believer's salvation, began to speak to him. The same Lord who spoke to Abraham and Isaac was now going to speak to him. And, and this, after Jacob's miserable failure, or mercy, or grace, mercy and grace undeserved. The Lord was the only hope of salvation Jacob had. And here he was, the Lord God of redemption, speaking to Jacob. And it was the same covenant that was given to Abraham. This is the first time that God gave the promise of Abraham to Jacob. Jacob had just a few days earlier plotted to get the blessing of the promises through his father Isaac, but now the real blessing of the promises was to be given by God himself. And you can notice the promises given to Jacob and his descendants were the very promises of Abraham's covenant, the promised land of Canaan, the promised seed. This meant numerous descendants, and not just numerous, so many that they would number as the dust of the earth and spread out in every direction. And with the promised seed as well, it was a very special seed. This meant the Messiah, the Savior of the world, in whom all the families of the earth will be blessed. Also, the promise of his presence and protection, verse 15. Note also that God gave Jacob the greatest protection there was. God's presence, I am with you. God's protective, keeping power, I will keep, protect, watch over you wherever you go. And God's assurance that he would fulfill his promises and purpose in Jacob's life 
I will not leave you until I fulfill my promise and purposes in your life. Jacob was encouraged by all of this, and we can be too. The very promises God gave to Abraham and, and now to Jacob, we have promised to us. God's presence is promised to us. Several verses for that. Behold, I am with thee. Genesis 28, verse 15. Matthew 28, verse 20. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Exodus 33, 14. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. In Isaiah 43, verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. God's protection is promised to us. His presence is protection. Uh, Genesis 28, verse 15. I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. Psalm 121, verse 4. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Verse Peter 1, 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. In Revelation 3.10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon earth, the earth. Also, God's leadership is promised to us. Genesis 28, verse 15, I will bring thee again into this land. And then Romans 8:14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. John 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Also, God promises to fulfill his promises and purposes in our lives. Genesis 28, verse 15. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. First Kings 8, 56. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Isaiah 14, 27. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Romans 4, 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them who are called according to his purpose. In Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very... Thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bethel experience includes worship, new insight. There was Jacob's new insight into God and into himself. Right after God had finished speaking, Jacob awoke and he was engulfed with the deep sense of God's presence. He now understood, understood God as, as never before, for God had revealed his sovereign care both for his people and for Jacob. God was overseeing and taking care of all things, all the things, including Jacob. In this, Jacob's desperate hour of need. Jacob was stricken with new insight into God's presence and care. A new insight now flooded his heart and mind. And, you know, we don't really get a true picture of ourselves until we get a glimpse of God. Jacob now knew that the Lord was present with him, whether he felt the Lord's presence or not. 
um, that the Lord's presence was always with him in a very special way. See that in verse 16. And since his flight from home, um, I'm sure he was gripped with fear, shame, loneliness, and he was now destitute. He had been suffering probably mentally and emotionally for days, and he was sensing great conviction of sin because of the great wrong he had done against his father and brother. He'd been in the very depths of discouragement and despair, but God had gloriously met him in his desperation and need. God was present with him now, and God would always be present with him, protecting and meeting his needs. This spot for Jacob was a place he would always remember, Bethel, the place of God. Has God met you in a special way? Can you picture Bethel in your life? A place that seemed as though it was holy ground. For Jacob, it was the very house of God, a very special place where he could meet God in worship and prayer. For us, we may have those places as well. But more real than Jacob could even experience, I believe, is that worship experience in our hearts because of Christ living in us. For Jacob, it was the very gate of heaven. A very special place where he could ask and seek and knock until God heard and answered his prayer. We too have access to God in a very special way. Jesus interceding for us and the Spirit ministering to our hearts. Jacob dedicated this place as a place of worship. He built an altar by stacking stones one upon another. Then he anointed the altar with oil. We know the significance of pouring oil upon a person or object. It's always been a symbol of dedication or consecration. Jacob was dedicating the place to God as a very special place of worship. And like we mentioned already, he named the place Bethel, which means house of God in verse 19. And the city Luz, which was nearby, eventually had its name changed to Bethel. The Bethel experience includes commitment, a vow. Jacob needed to make a renewed commitment to God, a renewed vow in verses 23 through 22. This is the first vow recorded in the Bible. Some interpreters would say that Jacob um, was trying to strike a bargain with God in these verses. Several things could prove otherwise, I believe. Jacob's deep experience with God and the very tone of the passage. And if we compare Jacob to us, our own very special encounters and deep experiences with God. All these point strongly to Jacob making a renewed commitment to God. Out of a heart of love and thankfulness to God, Jacob was voluntarily vowing to follow God as never before. And if you note the reasons why Jacob was recommitting his life to the Lord, it was because of the great promise God had given him, the promise to protect, provide, and lead. And also the humility and meekness Jacob had in dealing with God's provisions. He didn't ask for all kinds of promises. He only asked for the bare necessities of life, food, clothing, and strength. Jacob made three commitments in his vow, the Lord, the God of redemption and salvation, would always be his God. You see that in verse 21. And in verse 22, that he would always worship God in Bethel whenever he was there, whenever it was possible. And then also in verse 22, that he would be faithful and tithing to God. Have you had a Bethel experience? Are you open to a Bethel experience? How would you rate your walk with God right now? Am I still dealing with and running away from Esau? Or am I opening my life up to God? 
When God meets us and gives us very special experiences, special manifestations of his presence, we should always rededicate our lives to him. It's a continual commitment. And like we found in this, in, discussed in the Sunday school lesson, learning to know God more. It's a life, lifelong experience. But God wants us to be totally dedicated to him. Luke 9, verse 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but ye be, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In 1 Peter 4, verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of man, but to the will of God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search me with all your heart. So God bless us as we seek to renew our commitments and as we open our hearts to, to a Bethel experience. Just kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you that we could come this morning to worship you. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep you first in our life. Help us to um, be open to the continued growth and to have Bethel experiences. Pray that you would bless each one of us here this morning, also those who may be traveling or sick. Pray, Lord, that you would give us each special strength for the week to stay true to you and... Um, Pray also for Christians across the world who may be suffering and uh, even Christians who are not suffering so much, but just help us all to be true to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.